0: What's up, everyone? Jim and Ahmad here with Keeping It Real, the IGN movie show. Uh, we're going to talk about some big comic book movie trailers that dropped this week. We had Logan and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, two very cool trailers. Let's just kick it off. What did you think of the Logan trailer and then the Guardians of
1: the Galaxy 2 trailer? The Logan trailer clearly they they said okay, Deadpool works. We're gonna make our R-rated Wolverine movie that you've been asking for. Yeah. You know, we tried it the second movie and we tried to make as R as a looking movie as we could and didn't you know did a PG-13 and this time we're gonna go full R and yeah, I think it you know the fans are already excited. Yeah. I clawed through the head that one. Yeah, I didn't right. see that coming. <laughs> um, yeah, did was, yeah <laughs> clearly. And, I, I think it should be interesting. I think Manigold probably has it in the right direction. Yeah. It'll be curious on the amount of changes from the old man Logan story and how much of that stays in the film. Right. But either way, if you set it in that kind of zip code, it, it should make for an interesting movie. What do you
0: think of the Guardians trailer? It was great. Yeah?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was... It was it was just enough to be like, okay, I'm excited again.
0: Yeah. Back a, on the Guardians hype train. It was a very you know, they're two incredibly different trailers, but both very effective in, in doing what a trailer is supposed to do, which is get you hyped for that movie. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to the Logan trailer, because I feel like it was um, it was not what I was expecting. Nope. It was very haunting, provocative, sad, um, and that just the use of the Johnny Cash cover of of Hurt, uh, which is a nice nod because James Mangold, the director, did walk the line the Johnny Cash biopic, but it it just set it apart from all the other X Men movies and from other superhero movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think my 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 takeaway is that Old Man Logan and Baby Groot won the week, definitely, because um, the Guardians Volume Two trailer was. It did, you know, just enough to kind of remind you, like, hey, you love these people. Like, that almost sort of, um, uh, kind of uh, echoey version of yeah. Hooked on a Feeling, And then just the payoff at the very end of Baby Groot on Rocket Shoulder. I'm like, that won I everybody. Mean, <laughs> yeah. What, what is it
1: about Baby Groot we love? I mean, he's don't, adorable, no. but it's just, yeah. Space cute tree? I don't know. Just, <laughs> um, I think with, with Logan, though, it's... I think they're finally beginning to make, hey, we're going to make a movie that's of a specific genre Mm -hmm. that will have a superhero character in it. And not make a superhero movie and then figure out the genre second. They're making a drama. And it just happens to have some superheroes that we're familiar with. It, It was... Oddly
0: enough, it, it felt more like an end-of-the-world movie than X-Men Apocalypse did. Oh, definitely. You know, just from that trailer, I felt more of like a sense of things are coming to an end than I did with, like, the world being blown up around you and the entirety of the X- oh. X-Men Apocalypse movie and the trailer. But, like, what were, um, you know, the the Logan trailer, though, also, you know, revealed... Uh, some elements and some things that we've been speculating on and, you know, just confirm some things like, you know, Professor
1: X just being a shell of what he used to be. It's sad. Which we've seen in different forms. We've seen younger Professor X being a shell. Yeah. And then, you know, Logan kind of like, all right, come on, get off your ass. Yeah. And then kind of reeling it back in to kind of like Logan has to go there and kind of reinvigorate Professor X again and
0: it, yeah, it's final. a kind of a, a cool companion piece to Days of Future Past. Then, in a way, you know, definitely. Um, there's also though that that you know, it, if if Professor X is think about it, a telepath suffering from dementia is a, an incredible idea, an incredible concept. Because think about it, he's hearing all these things, but to him, none of it is real. All of it is real. He doesn't know. It's 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 very sad to see these two characters you know, end up in this boat. What do you think actually happened in in this in this uh, timeline? Because we're not getting the sense that it's probably maybe 20 years after Days of Future, but, but it doesn't
1: seem significantly like... No, no, this, this doesn't seem like it's, it's not like uh, Days of Future's past where you have, you know, the 70s and then you have way in the future. Yeah. So this is r- near future yeah. and it you know, well, first of all, you can tell by all the cars in the film that it's still in vaguely modern times. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of trucks in it. They look fairly modern. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't look like it's super far in the future. It just looks like there's, like with all X-Men movies, there's part of the timeline where you go either this way or this way. Right. One, one shift and everything changes. So, And also looking at the trailer, you get the impression that this is going to cover multiple periods of time. So yeah, I'm wondering if maybe there are two different timelines within the film, which... Wouldn't make a lot of sense for an X-Men movie. They, well, they I, yeah.
0: And, and but I'm also wondering what exactly happened to the mutants? It looks like they're pretty much extinct. Is this sort of I I, I just I wonder if there isn't if this isn't a, a more thoughtful way of handling some of the things that X3, the last Dan, was trying to do. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Just getting over cold. Um, you know, did, was there a virus that drove mutants extinct? Or somehow turn their powers on them. Um, something happened to Logan where his age caught up to him, and his healing factor isn't working like it used to because now you see all the scar tissue. Yeah, and he's clearly, for a guy who's lived hundreds of years, all of a sudden things caught up to him real fast. It's kind of like the way, like Mel Gibson suddenly aged like 20 years from <laughs> 1998 to like 2005. I'm sorry, Mel. I'm just saying. It happens. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think definitely they can. I wonder if maybe they'll they'll tie it in with some of the things that were kind of happening in the last couple of movies. Like, hey, you know, we we were working on this this cure and this virus and these same types of things that you've seen them do in the films, and like maybe it actually maybe Striker was actually successful for once.
0: Or uh, there's also though the uh, Essex Corp, uh, which we saw, I believe, teased at the very end. Of uh, X Men Apocalypse, so maybe they, yeah, maybe they pulled off something finally and did, you know, kill off the mutants. Oh. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if they're going to do this as almost sort of, and I know it's a different comic line, but like an Elseworlds thing of like. Well, this could be the future of the X-Men, or maybe it's a possible future. Which,
1: it's looking very much like Old Man Logan, and Old Man Logan functions like an Elseworlds type of tale. Like, hey, here's the United States as run by supervillains, here are the little segments. It's like, you know, very similar to DC's Kingdom Come, where this is not the future, but it's a possible future. We also saw Caliban in the
0: in the trailer, and we've seen his photo releases. We now Stephen Merchant plays him. He's generally known for comedy, but he's a huge guy. He's like six foot six. Really? Yeah. And uh, I saw him at LAX once, and he's just how that man fit on a plane. I don't know. Like it must have been miserable traveling um, for him. Uh, but you know, it's weird because we just had Caliban and X Men Apocalypse. So yeah, it's, yet again, like the X-Men movies, their yeah. their choice of timelines,
1: timelines make no sense. When it comes to continuity in X-Men movies, every movie starts at zero. Yeah. It's like, well, we'll reference things that happened in other films, <laughs> but we're basing every movie is a new timeline. Which I think they've tried to work into the story in, in some ways, some more successful than others. Right. Um, usually not. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if maybe this is the movie that, A, fixes some of the timeline issues, but also puts puts an end to this particular story of characters, and maybe we'll see something different after this.
0: Yeah, I, I really do think they mean it when they say that this is Hugh Jackman's last one, so... I'm sure he's ready for some rest. Well, let us know what you thought of the Logan trailer. Um, I also want to talk uh, just a little bit more about uh, Guardians 2, and just saying that uh, we didn't see Ego, we didn't see Mantis, and we didn't see Aisha, the three... Biggest characters in Guardians of the Galaxy, well, biggest new characters in Guardians Volume
1: Two. Uh what do you think? Why why uh hold back on that? It's early. They, they have time. Yeah, There's no reason. All they have to do is remind people that Guardians 2 is a thing that's happening. It's coming in a while. Here are the characters that you loved the first time. Here's a little more of them. They kind of, you know, the part with Drax and Star Lord kind of yeah. banter. Like, oh okay. This is just a this is just a little wake up call. Hey. Your guardians will be ready in a couple of months. We'll come back to you in a minute. Yeah, there's far less, and it could just be because maybe the effects aren't ready. But
0: less of of uh, Rocket and Groot in this trailer than I expected. There was far more of Gamora and Drax and Peter Quill. Um, yeah, you know, than yeah, than I would have expected. But
1: happy to see, always happy to see Gamora. She's
0: awesome. Um, now let's move. Oh, let's move on to some other. Marvel things that happened this week. But I'm gonna leave it again as baby Groot and Old Man Logan one week. So very two very good trailers. You know what was a trailer that dropped this week that didn't really grab me. Assassin's Creed, the second trailer for what what did you think of that trailer?
1: Um, I don't know that it's at the point where it's necessarily winning new audience. Yeah. It seems like it's like, okay, here's here's our cadence, here's the next trailer. Okay, it's out. Um, Movie's coming out. Uh, You know, usually with the trailer, like you said, you want to, you know, remind people that's coming. You want to get people interested in. Um, I don't know that maybe within forty-eight hours of this trailer dropping, I don't remember. I felt like all of the conversations had already stopped by that point.
0: And I didn't feel like it offered me any new information. In fact, if anything, uh, I felt like it confused me more about what the movie is. You didn't play those games you'd have no idea why are they trying to send somebody back in the past, like what is the function what what is the purpose of doing that and i I thought the the use of uh the song and the in the trailer just sort of it drowned out other things that were going on, and it didn't really show anything new that we hadn't seen in that first trailer, which I thought was a stronger trailer. I think what they
1: need is what like with the Rogue One story trailer, where you and Terry were talking about it, and we're like, I don't know if these trailers are quite grabbing me yet. Yeah. And that was those trailers, the first trailers are usually should be generally for the wide audience. Right. And then you get a little sp- specific as they go in or somewhere in the middle. This was kind of a, I don't know, this should have been the trailer to give everybody, like, because, I mean, we're very close to the movie coming out. Yeah, it's a couple of months away. So they should be like, this is what the movie's about for people who don't know what this is. Yeah. Which is what they did with the Rogue One trailer. Like, this is what this, here's this character, and then here's the the other character, and they're, they're parents, and they're, here's the Death Star, and then here's the other characters, and stuff blows up, and now you know what it is. And you're like, okay, we're on. Right. This is like... Um, I I'm there's gonna go guy. get the game because maybe that will help me understand what yeah, this is. There's and, like there's a guy and an ancestor
0: and jumping. Jeremy Irons is up to something no good, and Marion Cotillard is there. But like it, you don't get a sense of what what am I actually uh, what am I gonna get it from this movie? Like what is it really about? It's a story about yeah. a guy who what you know like. Um, but, I don't know. I mean, I hope that works. We've talked ad nauseum about, you know, the need for a good video game movie. Hopefully that will do it. Now, I just want to say, uh, you guys last week, you and Terry talked about the new Rogue One trailer. And I know I was mentioned in passing, but I will say I really liked that trailer. And it did turn the ship around for me on being interested in Rogue One, being pumped for it. I, they, that was the trailer that they needed yeah. and uh, it really it sold me on an emotional hook for that story which everything else had been cool but cool like
1: it had left me kind of cold yeah the other trailers were I think probably for, for the endemic Star Wars audience like hey you know what this is Yeah. you know that somebody stole the Death Star plant here they are here are the people that did it there's the Death Star here's an ad you know an ad at we're good, right? Okay, cool. See,
0: now you say AT-AT too. Our generation, they grew up, it was in commercials, they said ad ad. we have so many people calling us out saying, no, they're AT-ATs. The books, the aud- I was listening to an audio
1: book of a Star Wars recently, and they called it an AT-AT in the book, and I was like, no, no. i telling you, people, I'm telling you, you're wrong. Ad-ad. It's AT-ATs. AT-AT got, got me this job.
0: Right? There I'll we go. You heard time. it here first. Now... Let's. Uh, we're we're going to talk more about Star Wars at the end of the show, but um, I want to move on to some newsy stuff from this week. A lot of Believe news. it or not, it's about comic book movies. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, evidently, there's a lot of them coming down the pike. Um, actually, maybe th- this would be a good time for a reader email. Excellent this, time. Now, this one is from a few weeks back, actually, and we're just getting to it now. Uh, it is from uh, Basil or Basil Frank, writing in, and his subject line is Comic book movies, will it ever end? I'm sorry, Basil, that's probably not how you sound at all, but I just had to say it like that. That was almost like my Chris Carl moment right there. Um, he's just saying, My question to you guys is exactly what the title says Will comic book movies ever end? I'm jumping forward here a little bit. Um, Uh, It seems like each year we get the exact same recipe with a different skin in the movie or video game in this case. Uh, It makes a a ton of money and overshadows the smaller titles. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Am I the only one who is slightly starting to feel that I need a bit of a break? Maude, what do
1: you think? I've been saying this for a while. I am... I, I'm concerned about uh, audience burnout mm-hmm. in relation to start to to comic book films. I think that studios are, and I think I feel like Marvel's kind of going in that direction, where they're ch- maybe changing the type of superhero films they're putting out. Definitely doing a Guardians movie where it's basically a science fiction film. Yeah, you know, there's it has the trappings of a superhero film, but for the ninety percent of it, that's a, that's a you know sci-fi film. Right. Um. Putting existing rappers on on genre rappers like, hey, you know, Logan is kind of a post-apocalyptic western, maybe. Yeah, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is a sci-fi adventure film. Um, you know, maybe different types of film, dramas, and all these other types, or comedies, or the way Ant Man was a heist movie. Picking an existing drama, existing film genre, and then putting a superhero in it where, not unlike the Luke Cage series, where you took yeah. it basically a, tr- a drama. It's a drama series, and they put it in a real environment, and they put Marvel characters in it. Doing it that way instead of building around a superhero origin story and all of that mess yeah. from the start that people are kind of getting burned out about, putting, basically making movies and dropping superheroes in them, I think will kind of help alleviate that. And also, Marvel does their next phase, and it's all in space. I think that gives people a little, a little space from all hey. of the different companies who are... We've got Fox, we've got Marvel, we've got Sony, we've got Warner Brothers. Uh, Valiant is just itching to get a movie out there as mm-hmm. well. There are And, and then there's the uh, Hasbro kind of shared universe. Yeah. And even though those are toys, it's still in the same genre. Right. So there is definitely... Burnout waiting to happen, yeah. and I think it, these studios are going to have to get smarter about making these types of films.
0: Well, I, I think on that uh, that tip, uh, Doctor Strange is going to be I- an interesting kind of litmus test because it is pushing the ex- uh, MCU into you know the supernatural now and and offering up like you know Inception style kind of visuals for for uh, a broad audience to kind of wrap their head around. Um, However, and I can say this, Eric Goldman and I have both seen the movie now. His review will be going up uh, Sunday, like basically Saturday, going to Sunday, uh, 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. We can both say that we liked it. We thought it was really good, but not great. Um, And I'll let him speak to the specifics of all that. But it is, it's got a lot of origin story stuff. There's, in some ways, it's refreshing that it's almost like Ant-Man did, kind of goes back to that Iron Man, kind of like, keep it simpler kind of thing. Like, for a movie that's so much about the multiverse and these other dimensions, a lot of it is people indoors talking, too. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of just like, I'm in the hospital, I'm in the, you know, uh, in the monastery, I'm, you know, uh, I'm in the sanctum sanctorum. So, it'll be interesting to see how audiences respond to that one. Um, And I think on on uh Basil's or Basil's uh uh question, I think even somebody like uh, Taika Waititi, who is directing Thor. Thor Ragnarok, um is is hip to that and he recently said that he is trying to distance his film, which uh I believe just wrapped filming from the last two Thor films, um, visually going for more like The sci fi fantasy art style of like the 80s and 70s. Well, if you look at the logo,
1: when they came out with the revised logo, it looked like the Mega Man logo. It looked like, you know, you had your little silver and your little gradient in there. Masters of the Universe. Yeah, or or it had an 8 bit feel to it. It was, I was like, when I saw that logo, I was like, he's doing something different with this movie. Yeah. It it, it looks interesting. Um, He also,
0: you know, he has said a number of times, but he reiterated during this, uh, I believe it was a Reddit AMA, that. He wants Thor to be cool, to be the center of attention. That uh, I think he said he's not going to be a lunk or a dullard. Um, you think he's been a little harsh in the first two Thor films?
1: No, I mean, I mean they're fine. I think I feel like they're maybe the least exciting of all of the Marvel films, but not the least interesting. Mm-hmm. The first Thor was fine. I think it was just the scale on some of. I mean, you had Earth and Asgard, and that that makes it a large-scale movie. But as far as physical locations, the Earth location was tiny, and yeah. it, it felt really small. It didn't feel like Thor's on Earth, and he's getting into these large Earth things. It was like Thor goes to Mayberry. It was it's just yeah. a very, very small set, and it felt small. Yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> Where, you know, you look down a block, and then there's, like, nothing past it. Yeah, he, sa- <laughs> he saved two blocks in, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, yeah, you know. but whereas the second Thor looked a little bigger, the scope felt bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second Thor, but I think this, you know, seeing this other film, this this new uh, Thor 3, it's, the scope feels bigger, it feels like more of a galactic movie, it feels yeah. very large, and, and hopefully the inclusion of Hulk in it will make it a little even larger, and yeah. this one I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to.
0: Yeah, and that, going back to uh, uh, Basil's question too, that, you know, that will offer people something new and and you know could it could get to the point where maybe Marvel is going to be sort of like Disney animation where look we're inundated with animated films uh, and not all of them work I mean it took DreamWorks animation a long time to become truly competitive with Disney it took you know illumination entertainment a little while too but once they hit the ground running with uh, the Despicable, uh, the Despicable oh, Me movies with the Minions and with Secret Life of Pets you know now they're competitive yeah. but I think at the end of the day you have the standard beer you know Disney animation uh, and then all the ones that compete with it but not all the second of them tier and I feel like that's what it's basically now what we're dealing with in the comic book movie realm which is you have Marvel and then you have all the other either pretenders to the throne or uh, would-be usurpers to the throne. Yeah. With DC obviously being the
1: biggest one. They're sort of like yeah. their DreamWorks animation. Well, there's, there, I mean, at this part, just because uh, if you're looking at just starting with BVS, they're, they're still at the beginning of this. Yeah. They're still in their Iron Man, Incredible Hulk phase of, of their lineup. So, you know, they still have a long way to go. They still have Justice League and the Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, and other movies, which i 'm sure will have dates that change because of just how this this is going to work, but um they they're, it's it 's too early to tell with d c right but clearly they're they're right you know they're yeah. right on the heels of Marvel, obviously, especially with box office
0: um, now let 's talk about some other marvel and d c stuff going on uh the Batman, the Ben Afflex solo film, Joe Manganello see Daniel Krupa. It's pronounced <laughs> Joe Manganiello. I'm sorry. I'm all stuffed up. He with knows. Me. He knows how to pronounce it. Uh, I don't think he does, actually. <laughs> um, but he said that filming, uh, he's playing Deathstroke, uh, filming is going to start in spring 2017. Right around the corner, people. We're that close, that close to a Batman solo film. It's
1: a uh, Batman solo film in 2018? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm interested. I thought... I. St- I'll say it every time I'm on here is like I th- thought Affleck did a great job as Batman. Yeah. And we already know that he's a competent director. Um, actually excited about his next movie that's coming up. And, Live My Night? Yeah. That
0: looks rad.
1: Yeah. And, and it's not just because it's about a guy from Boston. No. Not just that. But it helps. <laughs> it certainly helps. Uh, I mean, I saw The Accountant. I know you saw it recently. Yeah, I yeah. saw it right after you, and I... I Good in that too. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. look,
0: he's he's come a long way since uh, being the bomb in Phantoms, you know. So he's <laughs> he's he's definitely. Uh, I I did like in the Live by Night tra- uh, trailer and the poster. He's like rocking this Dick Tracy looking outfit, right? You know, he's got. But like it's a like one size hat. too big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to make him look like he's supposed to be like a heavier guy than he is. But yeah, um, some other Marvel stuff. Now this is the X Men universe related stuff. Uh, Collider, I believe it was Collider, uh, forgive me if I got that wrong, w- is reporting that the six contenders to play Domino, the mercenary mutant uh, in Deadpool 2, are... <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Always good. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Great. Uh, Sienna Miller. Okay. Sophia Butella, who... We, I uh, just Star Trek. Star Trek Beyond, she played Jayla, but she was also in... Kingsman, Secret Service, the Razor Legs henchwoman. And she's going to play the mummy. And she's going to play the mummy. Uh, we had her on our live stream at San Diego Comic-Con. Very nice uh, young lady. Uh, Stephanie Sigmund, who had a small role in Spectre. She was in the Mexico City sequence. She's the oh. the young lady that Bond brings up to the hotel. Looks like they're going to hook up, and then he like ditches her to go fight. Sorry, i got to shoot some dudes. Yep. It's basically like she was just his reason for getting up to his vantage mm-hmm. point. And then um, a model actress named Sylvia Hokes, Hakes, I'm sorry I don't know how to say that. Uh, she's been in a lot of foreign stuff but she's gonna be in Blade Runner 2049. Uh, I, I have a feeling I think you're gonna see somebody like either Sophia Butella or um, maybe Lizzie Kaplan get that. I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead but I think you're, I think you're gonna see somebody with um, either uh, a more kind of, ex, you know, unique kind of physical presence, like, and I think Sophia Patella has that. She's got that sort of, like, she's proven in Kingsman and Star Trek that she can use her physicality in more ways than just looking sexy. She has a, a danger to the way she moves and the way she fights, and I think that would play off well against, like, Deadpool's more sort of, Joking. like,
1: yeah, way. Uh, Kaplan Kaplan can fit in there because Kaplan can can do drama yeah. with Masters of Sex. Yeah. She can do action with Cloverfield. And she can I feel like on the comedy she can kind of go back and forth yeah. like, with Reynolds probably. But she than wasn't
0: she in that Marvel one shot, the weapon yes, one. She was. Yeah. yeah so she was. <laughs> Item forty seven, um, I think. But um Sienna and Miller party down. Sienna Miller, I can't quite see Sienna, Sienna Miller in this. I think she's a, uh, she to me is a much more straight dramatic actress. Maybe she maybe she would rock because she,
1: yeah, you don't People know what are expecting this from her, you know. You don't so, know yeah. if they're looking for like a straight person to Reynolds yeah. or someone to play off them. It yeah. it it'd be interesting to see what direction they're um, going. In. I do love Mary Elizabeth Winstead though, but I would almost rather see
0: her um, join the MCU in like a bigger like a, with a big role. I always thought she would have been great for Captain Marvel, but you yeah. know, hey, look, uh, Brie Larson, no slouch. You know, no. So, I love she, that too. And she seems to be diving into uh, prep for that one. So, you guys tell us, uh, who do you want to see play Domino based on these six reported contenders? Who gets your vote? Let us know in the comments. Uh, now, for the superhero we didn't know we needed again, <laughs> but apparently we do, Captain uh, Captain Planet. Uh, global warming. We we need that dude. Yeah, now yeah. more than ever. Yeah, you now more is, than ever. You, you know who's going to be producing that movie? Who? Leonardo DiCaprio, Mister. I'm out to save the planet. You know, um, not for, not too shabby. He's going to produce yeah. it along with uh, Glenn Powell, who is on Screen Queens, who is also uh, Glenn is also co-scripting it. Now we don't know who is playing Captain Planet. Maybe it's Glenn Powell, but I'm going to. I'm gonna throw this out there, uh, Ahmad.
1: Shouldn't Leo play Captain Planet? It, I, I'm trying to picture him in a suit. Hey, he's is never he done, done it. Oscar? What does he got to yeah. prove now? Go ahead, Leo. Something this is all so retirement serious, money it. at this point. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch the show? Hell no. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I was grown ass man by the time <laughs> that thing was on. I did watch the funnier Dice skate with Don Cheadle. That one still. That one me was great. Up. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting if they take uh, what kind of direction they go with it. Yeah. If it's serious, if it's a traditional superhero, if it's kind of Brady Bunch campy, I mean, they could go a million directions. Well, like look that. at what the the Power Rangers trailer showed.
0: You know, you, you take something like a breakfast club kind of a uh, coming of age, kids on the wrong side of the track, and then you throw it into this other genre. It, you know, Captain Planet had his uh, little buddies or underlings, what the hell was that team called again? I don't know. a I'm, I'm little crew call, of kids. I'm just going to call them you know, team... Team nature. Team green. I don't yeah, know. team green. Uh, you know, maybe they'll maybe that's their their endpoint. And Captain Planet isn't necessarily the main character. You're following these kids instead. But, I don't know, what do you guys think? Should Leonardo... Should Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, be our Captain Planet? I think so. Ahmad, you're on the fence. You don't I'm really...
1: totally on the fence. Totally on the fence. You I just don't know if you want to see him in, him in a, a suit. I can't see him in a suit. I think they're gonna have to give him if he's Captain Planet, he's got to have some interesting outfit that he can put on and not look ridiculous. I think he should look as ridiculous as possible.
0: I think he, Leo needs to finally kind of loosen up, have a little fun. You got your Oscar. You proved
1: yourself. He had a lot of fun in Wolf of Wall Street. Right? Maybe too much. Maybe too much. Maybe a little too much.
0: We want to know, what do you guys think? Who should play Captain Planet? Are you with me? Should it be Leo? Let us know. Uh, it should be Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. now I'm just being to dick. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's something weird this week we found out. Now, David Heyman, the producer of the Harry Potter franchise and, of course, the, the kind Top of coming. spin-off prequel, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, uh, he told, I think it was Variety, he's producing a Willy Wonka movie. Now, it's not the real dolled Charlie, uh, Willy, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate mm-hmm. Factory which we've now had two versions of, with the old Gene Wilder one and of course the Burton Depp remake. This is going to be a uh, Willy Wonka early years movie, not an origin story, they said they were kind of weird about the language, but what do you think about like basically trying to turn Wonka into its own kind of IP, a Wonka will rise?
1: Uh, I think it's a little soon, because the Depp version, the Depp-Burton version was not that long ago, we're talking a couple of years. interesting. I think the world of, by the time in both films, by the time you get to Willy Wonka, he's fully formed. He's almost at the edge of his retirement. And there are definitely a ton of stories, just like in the books, there's a ton of stories to tell there. Um, I'm just curious if the audience is interested or not.
0: I do wonder, maybe part of it is, you know, from the producer of Harry Potter, gives it that bit more prestige and a bit more, this won't suck, frankly, is what, you know, what you're buying when, because I think... I could be wrong, and I didn't check this before I came in, but I think David Heyman also produced Paddington Bear, which, which was good. Which was good, which was surprisingly good. It was fun. And we all thought it was going to suck, and we all had great fun with the creepy bear e- effects when <laughs> yeah. it first came out. Like, I loved all the memes about him like sneaking up behind people like a horror character. But in the context of the movie, it actually worked, and it was quite,
1: you know, cute. Kidman was great. Was and they're good. making another one. Really?
0: Uh, uh, I think. Uh, What's his butt? Uh, uh, Hugh Grant is going to oh, be okay. in it too, and uh, yeah, so they're doing. They've released a teaser poster already for All it. Right. So Paddington's coming back, but anyways, uh, my point is that maybe you could make you could make a Willy Wonka work, but I think it comes down to who plays him. Now,
1: yeah. casting have, speculation we, time.
0: We have and our our suggestions. Now,
1: I'm going go to go say who's who's your well number one, number
0: two pick. I'm thinking David Heyman and sure this might not be the most imaginative leap here but he did produce fantastic Beasts, and he did produce Harry Potter what do you think about Daniel Radcliffe as young Willy Wonka that makes sense right he could kind of do it he's he he's got the quirkiness now and and you know he's he's grown as an actor even more uh you know just watching him from the very first Harry Potter movie to the last one you know the kid just Got his groove finally, and like oh. he's not very good in the first one, but come on, he's this little kid. Okay. And then by the time he gets to the end of that series, to Deathly Hallows, too, he is—he's such a good young actor. And now you see him up through like Swiss Army Man, and he's a young man now, and he's like—he's a good, solid actor. And I think he could bring just enough kind of offbeat kind of there's quality
1: quirk, to it. there's a kind of a youthfulness about yeah. him.
0: Which you got with Kindness, got but with Depp and you not got quite maybe all something there, a little weird. You
1: know? yeah, yeah, I no he'd be a perfect choice.
0: You know who else could be kind of interesting, and he's in Fantastic Beasts and he's also soon to be The Flash, Ezra Miller. Now I don't know. Did you see? We need to talk about Kevin. No, that is such a good movie. I, I always hear guys. That. It, you got to go see that one. That is a that's a great movie. He's scary as hell in that movie. It's basically about this kid Tilda Swinton plays his mom. And uh, he just—he's a bad seed, you know—and it—it really speaks to the sort of the era of school shooters and all that sort of thing. But he, Ezra Miller is just fantastic in it, so that's why when you see him as like quirky, funny Barry Allen, yeah, it's like this kid's got range. So I think he might not be uh, such a bad choice for Willy Wonka as yeah. well,
1: doing the off-kilter
0: kind. Yeah. Of. Now we also we also were. Uh, Kicking around a couple of folks before we start recording. Um, I'm going to slaughter his name. Tom, my producer, told me how to say it. Richard I, I Moss o, from IT I Crowd. Ayawade. Richard Aowade. Now, he's a filmmaker and he's a funny guy. Um, you know, uh, I he did the he movie the, the double. Court. He, yeah, the, he passes the court test. But you were saying he did. Uh... Well, he did this movie uh, the double. He directed it. But you know, you, you guys would know him from it, just his look. Like he's got kind of the the. He's, the big he's, afro. Yeah, he's got yeah, big he's, eyes. But he's got like, um, like he he would have been a great doctor in Doctor Who. Oh yeah. You know, or yeah, I also suggest that like he'd be a great one to take over his Q in the Bond movies. Yeah. Uh, but he's got that that slightly offbeat thing. Like there's a benevolence to him, but I could see him going flipping. Like you know, and I think Wonka kind of needs that. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the IT Crowd, go find it. He's great in it. Yeah. Any anybody else jump to mind? I mean, I guess maybe maybe McAvoy, but he
1: maybe he's a little too easy he's yeah he's a little maybe a little straightforward um what about joaquin phoenix (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure this that would fall under things that he would probably think about like okay maybe i you know yeah he seems to be he seems to always be up for a challenge yeah and uh i think this would you know this would be a little out of his zip code and like i'll try it
0: yeah well we want to hear your suggestions who do you think could be the new willy wonka what do you think of ours are they completely left field? Do they suck? Are they good? Let us know in the comments. Who was your favorite Willy Wonka? Exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Gene <laughs> Wilder. Yeah. So, in our, our closing moments here, because I th- I'm I'm getting over a cold. I think you're probably fighting one or something, but I'm perpetually congested. I yeah. sound like this all the time. So we we look, people. We 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 gotta get going here. <laughs> but uh, we want to talk about Star Wars, uh, Rogue One. Now, um, last week we had that new trailer, and I just you know reiterated how much I, I really like that one. And, and, and glad kinda, to have you on board. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm finally like I, I can justify saying uh, a couple of podcasts ago about how I was like, "What are the movies you're most psyched to see the the remainder of the year?" And I did say Rogue One, and I had to put the big, but caveat. But, yeah. But now uh, I'm going to turn to your Star Wars expertise, Ahmad, to fill us in on. You know, we did a couple of pieces on the site this week. One was your idea uh, of the state of the Star Wars universe, the state of the Empire, where the Jedi now, our, our writer Jesse Shadeen wrote it up. Uh, but tell folks uh, a little bit about where, where where did all the Jedi go? Now, I, I know there was the Order 66
1: and all that, but, you know... There's a long period between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Yeah, and I think what when you see the Rogue One trailer, if you're if you haven't read any of the novels, you're not watching Rebels, you're just watching the films. Doesn't seem like long enough to really forget about the Jedi. The even the parts in The Force Awakens when when you have Finn and Rey talking about the Jedi like, you know, their even even their perceptions of who Han Solo is, the smuggler, the rebellion general, you know, you get the impression that there's not one set of information that everybody in the Star Wars universe has. Different pockets have different levels of information. Certain people only know of certain things. And when you get to this period where Rogue One looks like it takes place really just before A New Hope, like right. probably days, months, weeks, that kind of thing, maybe years, but probably months and weeks, um, you start to see kind of where where the universe is. And so what we did is we kind of looked at, we looked at the books and the TV shows and, and even some of the comics and tried to figure out what's going on in the in the Star Wars universe at this time so what's going on is the rebellion is just at its at its beginning it's not hasn't just started obviously it's been going on since rebels rebels starts around five years before a new hope so in that period the rebellion is getting is going from a bunch of separate groups and you have Saul group and they're basically terrorists and you have the rebellion group with Bail Organa and and Mon Mothma and you have a bunch of splinter groups beginning to come together so this is kind of in that period meanwhile the Imperial, uh, the the Galactic Empire is assembling, they've moved from the clones who are kind of aging out because of the accelerated aging and the clones are kind of going away and they're just like hey Join the join the Empire. This is your time. Serve your serve your world. And you have the core worlds, which are the main worlds of the Star Wars universe. Then you have the tattooes and tattooings and the Jakus and all yeah. of these kind of outer rim areas. Which the Empire is very much like. Do you have something we can mine on your planet? Um, yeah. If not, we don't know you. We don't <laughs> care who you are. Um, what do you got for us, Dirt World? Nothing. Nothing. So yeah. We're <laughs> out of here. We're either bombing you or having you mine, or yeah. like the Wookies. Or put in a gas station. We'll swing by. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's these two groups, and not everybody has the same access to information. And so, you're, you're, the Jedi have basically by the by five years after Revenge of the Sith. 99% of the Jedi are gone. There's probably a handful at that point, and they're all in hiding, I would I would think. Yeah. Uh Kanan kind of lets the Empire know, hey, I'm a Jedi, and they're like, Oh, cool, kill that guy first. <laughs> um, Kanan from Rebels. So we're at a point where most of the Jedi are gone. People I think There's a great you know, shot too in that trailer with uh and I think when people saw that the 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 kind of dilapidated Jedi statue in the Rogue One trailer, they're like wait, 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 these are the Jedi. These are the peacekeepers of the universe. Why is it all dilapidated? Why wouldn't somebody keep that up? You know, and you realize that, you know, they've already said that, you know, Rogue One is probably a Jedi-less film. Uh, You start saying, wait, wait, where are the Jedi? I mean, where, you know, where, where are we in this? And what it looks like very much so is that people have not only not come into contact with the Jedi over these, these last couple of years, people are at the point where, they've been so out of touch with the Jedi that they're not even sure the Jedi are even real anymore. They're a myth, they're a fantasy, they're fairy tales, and their non-existence and their non-connection to most of the core, the outer rim worlds, like, hey, yeah, Jedi, are something I heard about, but I've never seen one? Yeah. This is like 10,000 people that were in one location on one planet. They're like a chupacabra. Yeah, and they only went to areas where there was conflict. So if you weren't in any of those areas of conflict, you've never seen them, and you probably may have never even heard of them. So I think that the Jedi went from being something that was very real to a myth very soon after, and the Empire was very good at changing the, the stories and taking the Jedi out and referring to Mace Windu as the leader of a criminal gang who started the Clone Wars. Well, it, I mean, it's very,
0: you know, you see, you see that sort of coverage... And just real world events too, so I think it's an interesting interesting way to sort of um, try and give somebody uh, um, uh, a, a hook into understanding how things went awry in the Star Wars universe, but it also to me says like education there really sucks, and <laughs> they could have used an internet like years before i they they can do hyperspace. You can build lightsabers, Death Stars, but uh, you really there's not oh there any are, weird way to you know not a weird way but any way to
1: share information. There's the Holonet, which uh, gets turned on and off every now and then. With when the Galactic Empire doesn't want people to know stuff in certain areas, so they can they turn it with off like AOL, like it's on, yeah, dial, they, up? Yeah, the on dial up. Yeah, the dial up, they they hear the screeching, they turn it off. Palpatine's got a switch in his, Damn. his office. Um, the act, the access to information is, seems very limited across the Star Wars universe, and it's there. It's very word of mouth in some areas, especially in the not so technologically advanced parts of it. I don't know. That's just—it's
0: it's, it's kind of screwy to me, but I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. It's, it just seems like one of those
1: things where you're trying to retcon in now, like why? why uh, a, don't a little bit. It. I think. I think. Although, if you, you know, even in the first Star Wars movie, you know, Han Solo knows they exist. But they, the Jedi are becoming, and even in some of the, the Senate scenes where they're like, even the Imperials are like, oh yeah, that hokey religion. They don't yeah, think well, of it Mister, as. Yeah, Mister gets you know, choked out and yeah. reminded that the Force is real. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very much a like yeah 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 it's a thing, but you know whatever. Yeah. It's it's almost at the point where it's not real or we Like kind the way people it. look at like new age stuff from the seventies. it's I think very
0: much so. Oh wow. <laughs> um, and then we found out some more stuff this week about Galen Erso and director uh, uh, Krennic, Krennic, um, uh, Orson Krennic. Uh, Now, the Rogue One Catalyst prequel novel will cover their relationship more, uh, and it's going to kind of, it really is drawing more uh, parallels to, like, the Manhattan Project and
1: and the real-world stuff. Yeah, it seems like... um uh, Galen Erso is kind of the architect of what I'm assuming is, is the, the turbo laser on the yeah. Death Star. Not so much the architect of the entire Death Star project, but the architect around this particular laser. Because if you notice in the, the first trailer, that's the only part that you see being constructed. Right. Or actually getting put onto the Death Star. It looks like everything else is pretty much done. So it sounds like it's kind of a race to make sure that that... That laser is not operational, in much the same way that the kind of Manhattan Project was like. Right. We're, we're we're making to we're building this amazing, crazy, powerful weapon that will hopefully end a wars, which is what they said when they built the Gatling gun. In that <laughs> didn't exactly happen. Yep. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts in the comments
0: about Rogue One. What we you know the state of the Empire uh, and how they're explaining away. People not knowing about the Jedi, let us know in the comments. Now, in closing, we just want to let you guys know, this weekend, coming to theaters, Ouija, Origin of Evil, Jack Reacher, uh, Never Go Back, which is probably not a good title for a sequel when you think about it, You want people to go back to the movie. They should come back to theaters. And that just literally hit me. I'm like, that's a really horrible title for a sequel. Never Go Back. They listened to you. They didn't go, I guess. Should have just been called More Reacher. Uh... <laughs> Uh, What else we got coming up? Keeping Up with the Joneses. And then um, uh, some uh, smaller films opening up in New York and LA is this critically acclaimed indie film called Moonlight. Um, And then, oh Lord, uh, Um, Shin Godzilla got extended by a couple more days. Yeah.
1: So you might be able to see
0: it this weekend. And then another film called The Handmaiden. So that's all stuff coming out uh, the theaters this week. Oh, and of course, uh, uh, Tyler Perry's Boo of Madea Halloween. A Halloween, you mean? You scared me. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> More boo. Um, now, uh, next week we're going to talk about, uh, of course, the box office. I am curious to see the Blumhouse. Uh, uh, little, Is the magic check- still there? Yeah, like you know, they've. What was that? Deadline said, did they pass two I think two billion? Two billion the box
1: of it, that's amazing. For, for uh, like you said earlier, we, we discussed this earlier, a strictly horror-focused production company. Yeah. Micro-budget stuff, it's a really fascinating sort of machine. Horror has probably the, one of the best, you know, return on investment than almost any other genre. Yeah, They don't cost a lot to make, they don't cost a lot to kind of promote. You put the name out there, you go, and I mean, they, they, the returns on those are generally enough to support all of these sequels for these movies that, oh, when you first see them, like, oh, that seems like a tiny little movie. Yeah. And then four Conjurings later, you're like, oh, well, I guess. Yeah, you know. and
0: then the, the purge and paranormal activity. I got to say, though, you know, I know he's not quite the, the box office powerhouse that he used to be, but you know, Tyler Perry, uh, also, his movies have made close to $800 million. Having your own studio helps. You know? So,
1: again, like another... Small budget, like just factory. targeted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You target. You you make movies for for a specific audience, and you oh, that's like the uh, um, Christian firefighter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I forgot which faith based films. The faith based yeah. films where where they they target a specific audience. Yeah. They market to that specific audience, and that audience comes out and drove to specific locations. Right. That's, you know, you don't you don't see as much of that targeting in the way that everybody's trying to do these four pole gigantic movies right now. But right. Uh, clearly, it's working for some people.
0: It's going to be interesting to see, too, what sort of uh, box office uh, prowess Tom Cruise will have with a, a sequel that's getting pretty negative reviews. Like our own reviewer wasn't exactly nuts, but I found it fairly. Eh. Um, so it'll be curious. You know, it, Tom Cruise's stuff has never opened. Like, it's opened, I think his biggest opening was around like 74 million, but, yeah, I'll be curious to see. This, this movie's not going to do that. I mean, Jack Reacher was
1: kind of lucky and he even got a sequel. So. I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, between that and Wick, Wick seems to be the two, the, the, the one that people talk about the most, people have the most affection for out yeah. of out of kind of two similar kind of big name right. action movies. Because we don't see a lot of that style of action film anymore.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's show. Send us your thoughts at keepingitreal at IGN.com. Follow us on Twitter at, at Ahmad Childress, at Jim Vita. Terry should be back next week, I think. She's let off let her... gallivanting around England. Yeah. And uh, for all things movies, keep it here on IGN.